on today's episode. Monkey said, oh yes, I love trouble. Trouble is sweet. Trouble is good. Bring me trouble. Bring me big trouble. Bring me plenty trouble. Yeah, what if everyone did roll up my brother into the carpet like a giant insane Pez dispenser? That would be great. All kinds of tales. From all kinds of tellers. Here on The Appleseed. It's time for The Appleseed. In each episode of the show, we bring you a couple of stories from favorite storytellers. They'll entertain you and inspire you. They'll get you thinking and even help your family tell your own stories. I'm Sam Payne, and we like to say at The Appleseed that great stories can change your family's world. Our first story is from Ohio storyteller Lynn Ford, who refers to herself as an Afrolachian storyteller, a nod to black Americans who live in Appalachia. Lynn brings us a story from her Aunt Queenie, a Caribbean storyteller herself of great renown in Lynn's family. A story about a monkey in search of trouble. If you've ever had too much energy in a house that needs a little quiet, then here's a story for you. If you've ever wanted to impress an older relative, then here's a story for you. If you've ever had a big misunderstanding, then here's a story for you. Here's Lynn Ford with the story Monkey Loves Trouble, recorded live in the Appleseed Studio. My Aunt Queenie, whose name was Queen Esther, was born on the island of Aruba. She lived in Jamaica. She lived in Haiti. When things became politically hot in Haiti, she moved to someplace she thought was safer, Chicago, Illinois. (laughs) She was one of my favorite storytellers, and when she would come to visit us in western Pennsylvania or East Liverpool, Ohio, I was excited because she told the best stories. She had some stories that nobody else could tell, and she had a deep, deep voice. She was very, very tall, like a giant to me. And she was the one that helped me to learn to sit still. I was a wiggly, squirmy child. And I still learn best by wiggling and squirming while I'm doing something. By singing and talking to myself while I'm going over things. And that can be a wonderful way to learn. But when you're supposed to be quiet, it's a little difficult for everybody else. Well, my mother would say, stop making so much noise. Sit down. My father would give me those angry daddy eyeballs. You know those angry daddy eyeballs? Takes one glance. He didn't say anything. You just said, yes, sir. My grandma Cooper would say, what is the matter with you? Stop wiggling. Stop squirming. Sit down. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. I'd say, you talking? She'd say, you are evil. I'd say, yes, ma'am. Just like you. We got along pretty well after a while, but I would still wiggle and squirm and make a lot of noise, and there was a brand new baby cousin in the house, straight home from the hospital. Everyone was coming to visit with the baby. The mama and the daddy were upstairs with the baby. There was a house full of people downstairs waiting to see the baby, and I was so excited. I was running around, and I was shouting, did you see the baby yet? And somebody go, be quiet. Okay, did you see the baby yet? (laughs) See, I thought lower meant quieter. (laughs) That just meant going from soprano to bass. It wasn't helping anybody. (laughs) 
And then Aunt Queenie came in the door, tall, regal, and I yelled, yay! And she said, child, don't wake that baby. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you want me tell you a story? I said, yes, ma'am. Then sit down. I tell you a story. I said, yes, ma'am. And she started telling a wonderful story. I'm sure I've probably told it at times. But I started wiggling and squirming because that's who I was. And I started looking all around because sometimes I did that. And I started making sounds that make people think you're really not paying attention. <sighs> My Aunt Queenie straightened up. She said, what's wrong for you? I said, nothing. What's all that noise coming out your face? <laughs> I'm not making noise out my face. It's just coming out my mouth. Well, even though she had that big, deep voice, she really wasn't making any noise. She wasn't going to wake the baby. Somehow that deep voice still wasn't as loud as I would get. She said, you say your one story. Don't listen for story. Go upstairs. Take yourself a little rest. I think maybe when you got up this morning, your brains fell out on the pillow. <laughs> I said, Aunt Queenie, my, my brain didn't fall out on the pillow. Think maybe it did ain't in your head. It's in my head. Let me see. And she grabbed my face and looked in my ear. Nope. No brain in there. I can see dining room table through your head. Go upstairs. Take yourself. Little, little rest. See if your brain go back in your head. So you listen for story. I said, but, but Aunt Queenie, my brain did not fall out on the pillow. It is in my head. I don't know where it is, but it's in my head. And Aunt Queenie, I can sit still. I can be quiet, see? Aunt Queenie, look, see? She wouldn't look. She had her head turned away from me and her hand up the way people used to do, talk to the hand. I think she might have invented that. I said, Aunt Queenie, look at me. I'm listening, see? Aunt Queenie, look at me, see, look. This is the listening face. <laughs> I opened my eyes as widely as I could because that would let her know I was paying attention. I stuck my head out like a little turtle-headed child because I figured that would show that I was attentive. I tried to sit still by stiffening up and she said, that's not the listening face. <laughs> That's the crazy face. <laughs> Take your crazy face and your empty head up to bed. <laughs> and I knew not to pretend I was crying for Aunt Queenie. She was worse than my mother about that as far as paying no attention whatsoever. And so I went up the stairs, didn't make any noise, didn't want to wake that baby. And when I got up there, I actually looked on the pillow to see if my brains might have fallen out of my head. There were no brains there, so I figured they were there somewhere. Put my head on the pillow, lay there. 
lay there. Seemed like forever. My mother said it was probably about five minutes. My Aunt Queenie called me down the stairs quietly. Lenny Jean, Lenny Jean, come down. I said, yes, ma'am. And I flew down the stairs, which wasn't very quiet. Got to the bottom step, and she was glaring at me. I said, I didn't wake the baby. And then I sat down on the sofa, ready for her story. And I was grinning at her, and she said, what you doing? I said, I'm listening for the story. Ain't no story today. No, no, no. You say you want story. Don't listen for story. No story today. We try again tomorrow. So at first I heard those wonderful stories as chapters, a little each day, until my brain, which was in my head, finally figured out that if I just sat attentively looking at my auntie and listening, not only would she tell a story, but there would be times when I could help the way you did, helping the rabbit run, the way you did, sharing your voices. I could do that. And one of my favorite stories was about trouble, of course, <laughs> because I was in it a lot. <laughs> and this story came from my Aunt Queenie, and she began with words that begin stories in Haiti. Now, if you hear these stories, you're supposed to be attentively listening after you've responded. And if the storyteller is doing a good job, you stay attentive. If the storyteller isn't doing a good job, my auntie told me that somebody might interrupt and go, that's not the way story goes, sit down. I tell the story and they take your story. <laughs> Never happened to me so far. <laughs> But the words are creak and crack. The storyteller calls out creak or a creak, and the story listeners who are participants say crack. Creak, crack. Creak, crack. Creak, crack. Long, long time ago, there was a monkey who was sitting up in a tree, a tree that had one beautiful bunch of bananas growing there. And he could have pulled on those bananas and eaten any one of them. He could have eaten all those bananas. But no, he smelled something <sniffs> wonderful, a wonderful aroma coming from the little house underneath that tree. So Monkey climbed down from the tree, crept over to the open window. It was too hot to close the windows. And he peeked in, and there was a woman stirring something in a big bowl. And as she stirred, she added brown flour, and stirred a bit more, and added brown sugar, and stirred a bit more, and added cinnamon, and stirred a bit more, and Jamaican ginger, the best, and stirred a bit more. And then she picked up a bottle of molasses, and she got ready to pour it, but her hands were messy from all that she was doing to bake, and that Glass fell from her hand, the glass hitting the floor, the bottle breaking, crash into a hundred pieces. And the woman set down the bowl and wiped her hands on her apron and looked at the mess on the floor from the broken glass and all the molasses spreading out. And she said, mm, mm, mm. look at this, all this trouble on my floor. At the window, Monkey looked and said, that stuff's trouble? 
the woman said, now I have to go back into town, buy some more. And Monkey thought, you can buy trouble? <laughs> the woman took off her apron and picked up her purse. And out the door she went to go to the little store in town, to the market, and get some more molasses. But Monkey clapped through the open window. He crept in. He crawled over to that puddle on the floor. He stuck one long finger into the puddle and licked it. This is trouble? Trouble is good. <laughs> trouble is sweet. I think I go into town by myself some trouble. Well, he didn't have any money. Of course, he was a monkey. So he climbed back up in that tree outside, pulled down that whole bunch of bananas, dropped them carefully to the ground, dropped himself to the ground, grabbed that bunch of bananas, and began to slowly drag them toward the market in town. He didn't want to bruise them. He was going to use them like money. And when he got there, well, he saw the woman walking away, going to another shop. And there was the man who owned that little store, waving at her in the door. So Monkey set down the bananas at the feet of that man, and he said, Mr. Man, I trade you these bananas for some trouble. <laughs> the shop owner said, what did you say? I said, I trade you these bananas for some trouble. The shopkeeper asked uh, Mr. Monkey, do you know what trouble is? Monkey said, oh yes, I love trouble. Trouble is sweet, trouble is good. Take the bananas and bring me trouble. Bring me big trouble. Bring me plenty trouble. Well, the shopkeeper shrugged and he said, all right, fine, and he carefully lifted that bunch of bananas and took them into the shop. He would eat some and he would sell some. It was a beautiful bunch of bananas. And then he went in the back of his shop and he came back out with a big burlap bag and he handed the top of it to Monkey. There's your trouble, he said. And Monkey looked at the bag. It was wiggling and squirming. Monkey said, ooh, this trouble is fresh. <laughs> it's still moving. And so he said thank you to the shopkeeper, and he tried to lift the bag. It was too heavy, and it made a noise. Oh, ooh, this trouble is so fresh and sweet. It's talking to me. And he started dragging his bag of trouble down the road toward his tree near that little house. And every time the bag hit a bump, oh, he'd hear a sound. Oh, 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 oh. oh, don't worry, trouble, said the monkey. When we get to my tree, I got to make you soft like a puddle. I think I, I bash you against the tree. <laughs> or, or maybe stomp on you. And the trouble said, Arr. Don't get mad, Trouble. <laughs> Won't take long for me to eat you. <laughs> they got to the tree, and Monkey realized he didn't want to share his trouble with anybody. He wanted all the trouble for himself. And so he started to climb the tree. 
pulling the trouble up behind him. And as he climbed, trouble kept on talking. When Monkey finally got high enough in the tree that he figured he wouldn't have to share, he opened his bag of trouble. And out jumped the shopkeeper's dog. And the dog fell out of the tree. He hit the ground. And he ran back to the shopkeeper's market in town. But Monkey had been so surprised, he fell out of the tree too. And he hit the ground. Bim! Ow! And he decided that if that was trouble, he didn't want it anymore. (laughs) And then my auntie looked at me and she said, so I tell you, never in your life go looking for trouble. Lynn Ford with Monkey Loves Trouble, a story recorded live in the Appleseed studio before our terrific studio audience. You know, as I listen to that story and as I think of Lynn's Aunt Queenie, we all come from somewhere, and a lot of us back not many generations come from someplace far away. And listening to Lynn's story made me think about what a blessing it is for a family to still have access to the stories of where they came from in the mouths of the people who actually did the coming from there. I think of my great-grandpa, Billy Pappas. That's the immigrant story on my mother's side of the family. He came from Greece. And I don't remember my grandpa Billy well, but I remember his son, my grandfather, Gordon W. Pappas. That's where I got the stories. And now even he's gone. My kids, well, they have me, but they don't have my grandfather And they don't have my great-grandfather, the immigrant, to get those stories from. And it seems like a wonderful thing, those families that still have access to the people who remember the place they came from. If you've got someone like that in your family, it really is a treasure. Don't let those stories slip by. I bet some stories sprang to mind for you from your own life or the life of someone you know as you listened to Lynn's story. Stories have this wonderful way of sprouting like seeds and growing as the stories bring up thoughts that grow into conversations. And maybe that's why we call this show The Apple Seed. Coming up is Minnesota storyteller Kevin Kling with a story for moms on The Apple Seed. I'm Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you on the Apple Seed today. A moment ago, we heard Monkey Loves Trouble from Afrolachian storyteller Lynn Ford. That's what she calls herself. A story about learning to leave trouble alone. We have another story for you about a mythical, mystical artifact in most of our homes, that dispenser of resources great and small, that life raft in times of trouble, that American version of Alibaba's cave. Here's a performance of Mom's Purse, recorded live in the Appleseed studio. We have a day in Minnesota, and it's called Mother's Day. 
but it's got another name. It's called the fishing season opener. <laughs> I know, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? I, I mean, it's the kind of decision that feeds the essential demons of Lutheran guilt, because I mean, because <laughs> you got a mom, but you got a fish. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you're like me, you're hoping you mailed the card in time and you're sitting in the boat and you're gonna make them fish pay for what they're doing to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting in the boat, and as the waves lap in, I can hear my mom's reprimands coming in with the waves. Like when she'd hear my brother and I in the next room, she'd go, she'd go, what are you boys doing in there? And when she'd find out what we were doing, she'd say, her reprimands held this amazing sense of optimism. Like one of them was, what if everyone did that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what if everyone did roll up my brother into the carpet like a giant insane Pez dispenser? That would be great. <laughs> or, or one of them she would say is, Kevin, there's a time and a place for everything. Oh, I get it. So it's not that I blew up my sister's Barbie doll with an M80. It's more that I do it in the dining room at noon. <laughs> oh, the most amazing thing about my mom? was her purse. My mom's purse held the answer to everything. It was like a mystery wrapped in a conundrum wrapped in naugahyde. I mean, you get a cut on your face, no problem. Spit on the hanky. Or, uh, oh, the Sloans, the neighbors, their mom, she used to carry old bubblegum wrappers in her purse, and that was in case something stinky rolled through. She'd quick hand all the kids bubblegum wrappers, and we'd hold them under our nose until the stinky thing rolled past. <laughs> But I remember the day my mom's purse was put to the test. Okay, every year we'd go from Minnesota to Missouri to spend Christmas with my grandparents. And we'd get in the car. Oh, man, it was the best time. We'd drive through Iowa with my mom singing, What did I away, boys? What did I away? And we'd sing, She weighed a Washington, Mom, she weighed a Washington. <laughs> my mom had a song for every state in the union. Her song for Wisconsin I love to live in Wisconsin and smell the dairy air. <laughs> so we're driving through Iowa, and my sister that year called from college, and she goes, I can't get away for this amount of time. And then my dad said, after my sister said that, I shouldn't leave work. He said, I could really get a lot done if I spent Christmas at home this year. And my mom said, I don't care. We're spending Christmas with my parents. So my brother and I, just the two of us got in the car with my mom and we started going through Iowa where we were immediately pulled over by a cop for doing 95. <laughs> I think that cop had a mom too because after the look my mom shot him, he turned around, got in his car, drove off, case closed. <laughs> we get down to Des Moines, Iowa and we're going through Des Moines at about 30 miles an hour. All of a sudden, there's this clunking, tearing racket underneath the car like a piano and a plumber falling down the stairs. And my mom pulls into this rest stop and they take the car into the garage and then we go in to the restaurant that's next door and we're sitting in one of those big Naga hide booths, right? And we're sitting there and my mom leans forward onto her hands and the guy comes in, a mechanic, and he goes, your transmission is shot. And he said, it's going to be two or three days before we can get parts up from Kansas City and I'm sorry, but you're stuck here for three days. We're going to miss Christmas with my grandparents. So my mom leans on her hands and she starts to shake. And me, being in junior high, did what I could to make matters worse. <laughs> I said, if dad were here, 
mm, dad isn't there and we all know it and I look over at my brother and my brother's gonna cry and uh, when my brother cries I cry but right before the tears started to flow my mom reached in her purse and she took out a drinking straw wrapped in paper and she tore one end off of the straw and slid the paper down the straw until it formed like this tiny concertina at the bottom. Then she pulled the straw out of the paper, dipped it in her water, and said, watch this, boys, the magic snake. And she put a drop of water on that scrunched up paper, and it started to move and unwind, and then it stopped. I have to say, it's probably the lamest trick I've ever seen. And we're sitting there looking at a wet piece of paper. And now my mom leans forward on her hands, and now she starts to shake. And my mom's hugged me, but I've never hugged her. I've never initiated the hug before. And I feel my arm reaching out, and it reaches around my mom. And she stops, and she looks at me, and she smiles. And she hugs me and she starts laughing. And my brother sees my mom laughing and so he starts laughing. When my brother laughs, I laugh. And I grab two of the white non-dairy creamers. I shoved them in my eyes and started singing, the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> and then my brother saw how long he could keep a milk bubble on the end of his tongue. And we kept our talent contest going until the table was strewn with garbage and the waitress walked up and said, what if everyone did that? <laughs> But my mom like a candle to the dark. So this year, the boat may have my body, but my heart will be with my mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thanks. That was Minnesota storyteller Kevin Kling with Mom's Purse. Thanks for joining us today on The April Seat. And thanks to Lynn Ford and Kevin Kling for sharing their stories. Listening to these stories always brings up memories for me that I love to share. Where did the stories take you? And who will you take along? Our episode today was produced by Brian Tanner and Heather Bigley. Our audio engineer is Carly Wilson. Trent Horton, Natalia Reeve, Hannah Harlan, and Evie Hendricks make up the rest of the Appleseed team. If you want to send us a note, you can do it. Email us at theappleseed at byu.edu. That's theappleseed, all one word, at byu.edu. Or if you're listening through a podcast app, rate us and leave us a little review. It helps people find the show. We're pleased and proud to be among the many shows in the BYU Radio family of programs, and you can find this episode or any episode from our archive on the BYU Radio app at byuradio.org slash Appleseed or by Googling the Appleseed podcast. I'm Sam Payne, and I can't wait to be with you again on the Appleseed. Thank you.